jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three! Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Howard for Dungey! Green pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive, and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Tuesday edition, an Election Day edition of Orange Nation. 315-437-7644. Did you vote? I did. I had a mail-in ballot. I, uh, I've only been living here six years. I haven't registered up here. Only. Well, good. At least you voted. Well, I was in. I was a student, so. So you voted. Yes. So did I. Before I came over here, um, and I was at News Channel Nine right before I came over here. Voted, then stopped into work. Everybody's running around the newsroom. It's election day. See, a lot of is, excitement in the newsroom today. Now you probably understand this a lot better than I even do. This is the day of the year where the entire television station is what the sports department is every day. Yeah, I would even say they get a taste of what it's like for us every Friday during football and basketball season because of all the high school right. high school stuff we do with, that's with my, Friday Night Fever. That's my yeah. point. But it's like a really big deal. It's like, oh my goodness, look how much work we have to do. We need pizza. We need dinner in the in right. the newsroom. And you're just like, we do it's this. It's like the sports department every Friday. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, this is like Saturday. Right, just saying. Um, <laughs> yes, that is that is indeed uh, what today is uh, in the news department. But it's an exciting day, and I've, I've heard several people over the course of the last 24 to 48 hours, my colleagues say it's their favorite day out of the year to, to come to work. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I, I like today as well for, for what I do for work. And, and it's the start of college basketball season. And I know you're a baseball guy. Um, basketball is my sport. I love I love college basketball too. It's great, and it's only Eastern Washington only. And Syracuse is not whole yet. They're still banged up, and and no Frank Howard tonight. He's not going to dress, and we don't know about the other guys, uh, Jalen Carey and, and Howard Washington. But it's the first game that counts, and it's the first game that counts for a really good team. I mean this this could be a very special season up on the SU Hill, and I woke up this morning, and I'm scrolling through Twitter, and I come across Jeff Borzello's tweet, who puts out there his his preseason predictions, his Final Four predictions, and his Final Four predictions, I'm sure many of you have seen it by now, he had Kentucky, Oregon, Kansas, and Syracuse. And my first thought when I when I saw that was, I could see that. I, my first thought is I'm looking forward to next week at the Garden. We might see it. We might see a preview next week. We might see Oregon and Syracuse Friday night at the Garden. But I, I looked at it and I wasn't even like that's a stretch. It doesn't feel like a stretch, and that's why I think it's so exciting. There's a lot of reasons why this team's going to be exciting. But but first and foremost, sky's the limit for this team. And we had this discussion, Seth. I don't know, a week or so ago uh, during the preseason. And we looked at the team's weaknesses from last year. And we tried to identify weaknesses this year. And I'm just going to go through them real quick. Weaknesses last year. And you could add to this list if you want. But there were a lot of them. There was no depth. Poor outside shooting. Lack of offensive options. Lack of playmakers. 
I know it's they kind of go hand but, in hand. Yeah. But it was it, you know we joked that it was five on three a lot of the time. The center position was a question mark, and in particular, the health of the centers and youth was was a weakness. Anything else you'd like to add to that? I mean, those are five no, pretty significant are, things. Yeah, I, th- I think that's about it. I, I mean, those are the ones that I'm thinking of. Um, and and I know where you're going to go with this is that look at this year. You, you're a deeper team. Go down, well, go down you've the got, list. You're, you're, Let's take it one depth, by one. Your depth problem. Go you've on. got Jalen Carey, Elijah Hughes, Buddy In fact, Bay it's Hyde. not a you're, weakness. It's a strength it's now. It's a strength now. You go nine or ten deep. How about uh, depending offensive, on health. Offensive, offensive options? Right. you got more of those with Jalen and Buddy and, and Elijah Hughes. Not in a the weakness mix. now. Not a weakness. Strength. And it's a strength. Um, outside you, shooting. Outside shooting. A strength again. Um yeah, everything that you had last year, the problems that you had last year, you really flipped. Uh, you really flipped those uh, from weaknesses, not only to not weaknesses, as you said, but to strengths. And and now it's a benefit for you. And, and I know that we talked about this a little bit, but uh, how about just the, the very basic nature here of add Elijah Hughes onto last year's team and how much better is last year's team? And you are going to do that this year. You are going to add Elijah Hughes among others, but Elijah Hughes primarily, he's probably going he's going to get the most minutes of the newcomers. You're adding that onto last year's team. And last year's team was a team that was uh incredibly successful defensively, started to click at the right time at the end of the year, and when all was said and done, they made the Sweet 16. So, yeah, they struggled all season long because they didn't have that consistent offensive output, but by adding somebody who's got the offensive capabilities to score 20 points per game, you fix that problem. You know what it does, Seth? What did we say about the Wake Forest game? My my big takeaway about the Wake Forest football game was, if you were paying attention, I know you were, but for our listeners who maybe weren't tuning in yesterday, I said my biggest takeaway was... I'm glad you give me was, the benefit of the doubt. I give way. you the benefit of the You have to listen because we <laughs> talk to each other. Um, you don't always have to agree with me, but you do have to listen to me. My takeaway was that Syracuse showed it could win a different kind of game and, and win a different way. That it, it didn't have to throw for 400 yards to, to beat an opponent to score that many points. They scored 41 points, and they did it mostly on the ground. They showed that they could win a different kind of game. How did Syracuse win last year? Every single time. It was defense. It was holding a team to the 50s, maybe low 60s, and doing just enough offensively, and you win 62-58. That's how they did it, and and it was great during the Sweet 16 run. I mean, that is how they had to win. They couldn't win an 80-75 to game. They couldn't do it. No. This year... They can. And and by adding Elijah Hughes, which you're talking about, or adding a Buddy Beheim or Jalen Carey, and now options off the bench, and you can go small. You can, you know, I mean, you obviously have size and athleticism, so you can go big, quote-unquote. You can go small. You can shoot the basketball this year. You have more offensive options. If Tyus Battles won for 10 like he was in the exhibition, I know you're not going to play St. Rose every night, but you're going to be able to win those games because you have other guys who can pick up the slack. You can win a variety of ways. It doesn't have to be the same formula every night. And, and that, I think, above all, else makes you a dangerous team can i you say if tyus battle goes one for ten and and this might sound weird this might be a weird way of phrasing it but is it possible that tyus battle can't get to one for ten this year and and i mean that as okay if he's off somebody else is just going to take the shots and, and we saw this so many times last year where you know he he would still get his 18 points but it was on like what, 3 of 15 shooting, and he would go to the line a whole bunch of times, or or 4 of 15 shooting, and the, the numbers just didn't look good, but the point total was there because Syracuse needed it to be there, because the Orange needed Tyus Battle to get his 18 or 20 or 25 points, whatever it was. 
He had to do that every single night, no matter what. And I, I don't get the feeling that this year he will have to. Whether it's O'Shea Brissett and an improved jumper, whether it's Elijah Hughes, whether it's Frank Howard when he comes back healthy, or Jalen Carrier, Buddy Bayheim off the bench, there are other options who can go out and score on a night-in, night-out basis. And last year there were three. Last year there were three options who you felt comfortable could score. Frank, O'Shea, and Tyus. And even at that, I, I think that we thought... You know, some of their scoring ability was relatively capped, and I I don't think that's the case this year. Well, I I will say this. Is it possible that Tyus goes one for ten? I think it's absolutely possible because he's an NBA talent, he's your alpha dog, and he's getting at least ten shots per game. He is. So, But it's it's a larger point. point. I understand your point. You're not going to see two for thirteens probably this year. You're, You're... what you're saying is, is if he's having an off night, he may pass up a shot to give it to somebody who's, yes. who's got a hot hand. And last year, there were there were no other hot hands. It was really either him or Brissett. And and Frank Howard did some great things. Um, it, it was the it was the three of them. But if you needed a three pointer, it was generally coming from from Battle or Brissett. And Brissett statistically was the best three point shooter on the team last year at about thirty three percent. It shows you how much they struggled from behind the arc. This year, I think Tyus Battle is still going to get double-digit shots per game. He he has to. I mean, he's he's an NBA I expect talent. Him to. He's your you know, as Sal always used to say, he's your alpha dog. He is. I mean, he he is your leader. And I know there's a lot of talent on this team. And we had that brief discussion last week about you know, is it possible that O'Shea Brissett is the best player on this team? Is it possible Elijah Hughes? And I understand when you project out to the NBA, a lot of people are in love with O'Shea Brissett. But can we all agree Tyus Battle is the best player on this team? Can we? I mean. He is, yes? Yes. I th- are you yes. hesitant and no, reluctant no, to say that? He's the best Ty- player on the team. I think Dice Battle is the best player on this team. I Look, how how many times did we talk about this before we took the summer summer vacation? I, I thought he was going to the NBA. I thought he, I, I think he's a good enough player to be in the NBA right now or, or to have been drafted in the, in the NBA uh, this past June. So, yes, I think he's the best player on this team. So your best player slash your, your NBA talent is going to get at least 10 shots in a game. Yes. But to your point... If he's off, other guys could pick up the slack, and that, I, and I guess that is that to me is the the biggest point of them all that we could go down this checklist and say, all right, they have depth, they have experience, they have outside shooting, they have scoring. The center position is improved. The health of them has improved, and, and but above all of that is you can win a variety of ways. You can get out in transition this year. You can win an eighty to seventy five game. You can still win sixty to fifty five because you know that the defensive capability is there. It's only going to get better. But you also have the scoring punch to go with it that if a team is hot, you can survive that. Or you could survive one of your best three players not playing well. Last year they needed, you know, we're focusing on Tyus Battle. They needed Frank Howard, O'Shea Brissett, and Tyus Battle all to play well in the big games in order to win. They and if one of them was off, they 60. were in trouble. Yeah, if they one of them was off, they were in trouble. And this year, that is that is not the case. You obviously want them to play well, but if one of them has an off night, or in this case, you know, Frank Howard is out with injury, it's not a disaster. You still feel like you can win the game. They're going to beat Moorhead State in Eastern Washington, but when they go down to the Garden, can they? You know, can they beat UConn? Can they? Can they beat Oregon without Frank Howard? I I don't know. I mean, hopefully Syracuse won't have to see that, and he'll be back by then. But we don't know. Um, the the fact of the matter is, though, it's not. Well, this one's going to be a loss because you know Frank Howard is out or. Tyus Battle didn't shoot the ball well tonight. They have enough options to make up for that. Well, and and you said the defense and how good the defense was all year last year, but there were still games where you looked at and you were like, the defense could be fantastic, and it, it just doesn't matter, right? Whether that was you know a Duke or or a team who could just put the ball in the bucket, Duke, UNC. I'm looking at those two particularly. I 
I don't get that feeling this year. If they run into a team that's just so good offensively or your defense has an off night, you can still win because you've at least got some offensive firepower. You've got other weapons. You've got multiple guys who you feel good about putting the ball in their hands. And and that's such a different dynamic and such a different place than we were in last year. And we saw last year, too, when they fell behind, right? It was it was a struggle for them to shoot the three. Now you've got a guy like Buddy Beheim that you can insert into the lineup for some instant offense off the bench, who's probably going to start tonight, assuming Jalen Carey isn't quite ready yet. You've got options that, that can fill it up from the outside. And and also, what, what did we see last year when they fell behind and when they had to press? Several times they ran out of gas at the end of the game because they're playing with five and a half guys. That's not going to be a problem this year. You can press, you can get back into the game, you can make subs, you can keep the guys on the floor relatively fresh. Jim Bayham normally doesn't play nine. We know this, but I truly believe he's going to find a way to get nine in the game this year. Yeah, I'm not talking about everybody's going to get, you know, 15 minutes, but is Buddy Bayham going to get six to eight minutes in big games and yeah, maybe more? So. Yeah, I think he's going to find a way on the floor. Jalen Carey certainly is going to find his way onto the floor. Merrick Dolezal is coming off the bench. He's certainly going to find his way onto the floor, and the two centers are, are, are going to find their way onto the floor. I think he's going to play nine guys, and I know that for 42 years, he has generally played seven. I think this year is different yeah, for, for a lot of reasons. And to your point, it would allow them to press. It would it would allow them to put pressure on if the they other need team. To. I'm not saying they're going to do it well, every, but even, every possession. But even, if they, even if they don't need to. I mean, how many times how many times did we watch as Rick Pitino's Louisville teams would come in to the Dome or, or anywhere else and press you from the jump? They they're not have, doing that. No, no, no. I'm not, I, I'm not saying they have to do it all 40 minutes, but... But how how often have we seen other teams come into a building, whether it's here, whether it's somewhere else, and and just press you because they feel like it, because because they have the ability to, because they want to make you uncomfortable, because they want to put the game out of reach in the first half. What and, they, Syrac- and Syracuse could do that because they've got the depth to do it without running out of gas later. What they could do, what what I envision them potentially doing, is throwing the press on for a couple of possessions here and there in the first half, just to, to mix it up or speed things up in a certain situation or take advantage of a certain matchup with a starting point guard is in foul trouble or goes out of the game, you throw the press on for four or five possessions, you back off. I don't think they want to use it too much. They, they want to rely on that 2-3 zone. They're so good at it. I think they press if they're behind, or I think they press if maybe they get you know they got off to a flat start, or they you know just want to speed up the game for, for a few possessions. But, but that is a luxury that I do think they have, and they don't have to go to it just out of necessity. To your point, Seth, I think they can they can sprinkle it in here and there as they want to, because they, they have that they have that ability. They have options this year, and options uh, were not at the disposal of Jim Beheim last year. No. We've got Chris Carlson from Syracuse.com and the Post Standard set to join us in about 15 minutes from, from now, but phone lines are open at 315-437-7644. The regular season opener tonight inside the Dome for the men. Don't forget the women tip things off at 3 o'clock as well. We'll continue to talk SU basketball on the other side. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Dungy leaps and into the end zone for Dungy. A touchdown. If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Howard for the oh! Soaring through the air. High flying Slovakian. Screen pass here. He'll get one. And he stays alive and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat. He'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse. And for Syracuse, party time. 
The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. Down. The penetration. Step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. Stephen Fonte, Seth Goldberg with you up until 2 o'clock. Phone lines open the rest of the way at 315-437-7644. We spent a good portion of hour number one talking SU basketball. The Orange, of course, tipping things off tonight inside the Dome against Eastern Washington. That'll be part two of the doubleheader. The women take the court against North, North Dakota at 3 o'clock, and then the men uh, face Eastern Washington at 7 o'clock. We'll leave that on the table if you want to check in, but I do want to switch gears and talk some football. And at the very end of that interview with Chris Carlson, Seth, we got to uh, bowl possibilities. And Chris said something I agree with, and then Chris said something that I'm going to slightly disagree with. The thing I agree with is he said that if Syracuse goes 9-3, and three, they're probably going to end up in the pinstripe bowl. I think if Syracuse ends up... Nine and three. I think they end up eight and four. Even if they end up seven and five, I think this this team is probably going to the pinstripe bowl. Um, I think unless they go ten and two, because I think if they go ten and two, they're going to the Fiesta or the Peach or yeah, uh, they get upgraded or, or whatever. They go first class. Right. I, I think that if they go ten and two, they end up in one of those yes. New Year's Six bowls. If they don't go ten and two, I think they're in the pinstripe. They're bowl. going to the pinstripe bowl. I would agree with that. Um, the thing I'm going to disagree with what Chris said, he said, I don't know if it's the the minority that I'm hearing people complain. I don't, I don't want to use the word complain. People are saying they don't want to go to the pinstripe bowl. They hope Syracuse goes elsewhere. I don't think it's the minority. I think a vast majority of people don't want to see the pinstripe bowl again. And again, I'm not talking as a fan. I, I'm, I guess as a media member, I, I don't really want to see the pinstripe bowl either. Um, and and this is this is the way I would look at it if if you're a fan and you're wondering okay why don't fans want to go to the pinstripe ball okay so this team this program went there twice when they were in the Big East they're going to to go there next week next week and what did you say forty days before the game yes. would be so it'll be it'll be forty days between Syracuse Notre Dame and the pinstripe ball. And regardless of what the matchup is, so we're here. We're seeing some projections that it could be Syracuse, Penn State in the pinstripe bowl. That'll be fun. That's a, that's a great matchup. However, it's not going to be better than Syracuse Notre Dame. No matchup that you're going to get in the pinstripe bowl is going to be better than Syracuse Notre Dame. And we're seeing that next week, as you said, forty days before the next game. So that would be three games that this program has played at Yankee Stadium, including one that was you know a little more than a month ago against a team that's probably going to the college football playoff, assuming Syracuse loses to Notre Dame. Because if Syracuse beats Notre Dame, then they're probably not going to the pinstripe bowl. They're probably getting upgraded. And Notre Dame might go to the pinstripe bowl. <laughs> right, Notre Dame might go to the pinstripe bowl. But you were, you would have just saw a marquee matchup at Yankee Stadium in, in the cold of November. Do you really want to go back in the colder of December and see a matchup that isn't as intriguing as the one that you just saw a little more than a month ago. No, I think you don't. for a lot of reasons, I don't think it's the minority. I think it's a majority of fans up here anyway aren't thrilled about the pinstripe bowl. Maybe you know the SU alumni base in New York City. It's great for them and it's great for TV and they want to fill the place. And I get all that, but just in terms of the excitement level of the folks around here, I really do think it's a majority of people want to go somewhere else, and and me included. I would just I would love to see this this team play in a in a different bowl game, in a different environment. I don't disagree with you. I, I could not agree. I, I totally agree. I, I think that there's a 
I don't think it's the minority that doesn't want to go to the pinstripe bowl. I, and I, I understand it. I understand everything around it. I understand that you're there 40 days earlier, that you did this twice. And, and as Chris said, and I think this is a really good point that Chris made, you've got fans who are out there saying, we went to the pinstripe bowl and we weren't that good. But now we are good. And why would we go to the same bowl? And and I think that the really important thing to point out is that the, the pinstripe bowl, when it was first created, I think that they really wanted to target Syracuse to be that team every single year that was going to go. And with where Syracuse was when they created the bowl, Syracuse wasn't very good. So it took on like the lowest priority possible in the Big East for two reasons. One, because that would get them Syracuse. And two, because it was a new bowl and nobody knew anything about it. So now it's five years older. It's, you know, it's at least been around the block a year or two. Um, and now it's in a different conference. And and when they jumped from the ACC to the from the Big East to the ACC, uh, the Pinstripe Bowl got a, a bump in in caliber, a bump in quality. Um, so I th- I think that's why you would say that it's you know don't throw that part out, even though your perceptions are are going to do that. But I I think and and I have this part of me that tugs at me the same way that says, okay, you haven't been in a bowl game in five years. It's really hard to complain about which one you're going to. And it's not a complaint, no, though. No, I think I, it's just a desire. Know, but it's, again, that's the one that's going to have the most Syracuse fans at it. That's the one that's going to sell the best. Um, I know you just did it, but, you know, I know you just did it, but that's the one that for a lot of reasons makes the most sense. I think especially in year one of this whole thing, because presumably this is not the end of of Syracuse being good. Presumably this is the beginning of them being good and growing into something. So you go to the pinstripe bowl, you show that you can show up and travel to a bowl game, and then you you perform well again next year, and you get a bump and you're going to the Music City Bowl, you perform again next year, you go to the Camping World Bowl, whatever it is. You know, you you look at the whole bowl process, and, the, and there's so much, um, I don't know if politis, politis, uh, uh Politization is the the right word, but that's what it feels like. It, it's it's so political in that you're looking at things other than record and what the team looks like on the field. How many Syracuse fans would travel to Orlando for the Camping World Bowl? How many fans would travel to Nashville for the for the Music City Bowl? How many people are going to Charlotte for the Belk Bowl? And and how many would go to New York for the Pinstripe Bowl? And I, I think that the answer is a lot more would be in, in the Bronx for the Pinstripe Bowl than anywhere else. Because of the built-in alumni base yes. there, though. I, I don't know if people in, like, Onondaga County are going to go to the Pinstripe Bowl more so than, than going to Orlando around the holidays. I, I don't I'm not sure about that. I, I'm not sure about that. Why would you want to go to the Pinstripe Bowl again where it's cold and you just did it a month earlier when, like, Orlando in December, right around the holidays, I mean, to me, that would be a fantastic trip. And it's just, it's it's unfortunate that... It may come down to, well, it's between Syracuse and NC State, but proximity-wise, North Carolina State is closer, and you know what? Even though Syracuse beat them head-to-head, we're going to sell more tickets. And that almost feels but like that's... that's the whole bowl process, but that, isn't it? Yeah, I, and that's, I, under, that's I understand the, whole thing the from reality. The top down. I understand that's the reality. I'm saying that's unfortunate, that if you miss out on going to one of the big ones, like Fiesta Bowl or Peach Bowl, that... You're slotted to go to the Pinstripe Bowl because your campus happens to be close to New York City and because they think they're going to sell more tickets in Orlando to North Carolina State fans, even though you're the better program. And let let me put it to you this way. 
If you polled the 107 players on the SU football team, I'm not going to speak for all of them, but a majority of them, if you gave them the option of Orlando around the holidays oh, they want to go to Orlando. or New York City when you were just there a month ago, right? Yes, they if want to go to Orlando. The coaches, Orlando, I would, I, I would guess um, it's a chance to get in, you know, into Florida, and that's a, a hotbed for recruiting, so on and so forth. And I think if you polled most fans, I think most fans would tell you Orlando. Now, are they going to pony up the money and fly down to Orlando, go to the game? That's another story. And so I, I get it. Like that's I, why I say the New York thing. I understand. I understand that logistically it makes sense, and I, you know, common sense for. The pinstripe bowl is, well, of course we want Syracuse. I just, I don't know if Syracuse wants the pinstripe bowl as badly as the pinstripe bowl wants the orange. No, the pinstripe bowl wants Syracuse badly. And, you know, listening to John Wildhack yesterday with with Brent Axe, and if you missed it, check it out on the website, uh, I I was never more convinced that this team is going to the pinstripe bowl barring something drastic. And and by something drastic, I mean getting to a New Year's Six Bowl. Because I, I really think that, that the Pinstripe Bowl looks at Syracuse as the best fit possible for them, um, especially out of the ACC. Yes, now, but it's not up the to the Pinstripe Bowl. It's not. But it, it's, but it, it, can, but no, it is. No, it's not. Camping World Bowl. But it's up to the Camping picks World. First. Okay. Picks first. It's up to the Camping World Bowl. If they extend an invite, if Syracuse gets an invite from all four top up tier bowls, Syracuse to the, gets to pick. Right. But it's up to the Camping World Bowl first. first. They're going to go after the program yes. they want, and then whoever they pick is going to say yes. If they pick NC State, NC State's going to say of yes. Of course they are. And then Syracuse. Syracuse is going to fall into the pinstripe bowl. That's my point, is that if Syracuse got an invite, and I'm not going to speak for John Wildhack, but my guess is if Syracuse got an invite from all the top four, you know, the top top tier bowls, all four of them, they would get to pick. My guess is they would not pick the pinstripe bowl. But, I, I mean, I could be wrong. I just, I, I, I think that they would want to go elsewhere. I think everybody wants to go elsewhere, but the pinstripe bowl is saying, no, come to come us. On, right. And it, it looks like it may fall that way unless Syracuse beats Notre Dame. All I'm right. saying is it's a shame if it comes down to <laughs> ticket sales and NC State gets to go to Orlando and Syracuse has to go back to the pinstripe bowl. That's fine. I mean, I, I look at that as the, the reality of bowl season. These The the 40-something college football bowl games are only there to make money. They're only there to sell tickets. They're only there to drive ratings for ESPN and Fox and CBS and whoever has these games. That is the sole purpose behind them because realistically, there's no reason to have any college football bowl games other than the playoff. There's none. Right? There, okay, congratulations. You finished the year 6-6. Six and six. You get a bowl game. It's a reward. Like 15 extra practices. We, okay, we hear the okay, same thing no, every year. I know. I know. But, like, congratulations, 6-6 six and six team. Congratulations, 5-7 team. Of course they team. do it to make yeah, money. I right. mean, I, I, so, I know that. So, I, when that's, so when that's the business of the college football postseason, you're going to pick the team that makes you the most money. And in this case, Syracuse... Uh, makes the most money for the pinstripe bowl, and they're going to desperately want them. Now, in the in the in the Big Ten, it might be Rutgers if they're ever good. It might be Penn State. It might it it might be anybody. Quite frankly, from the Big Ten has has a nice following in New York. But for the ACC, Syracuse is the team that's tied to that. City. Oh, they would love Rutgers to be good. They you would love. Pinstripe bowl would love Rutgers you imagine to be good. If the, 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 could you imagine what would be going on in the pinstripe bowl offices if Rutgers had seven wins one year and Syracuse had seven wins one year? And even they Penn would, State is intriguing. Those two. I mean, if if they right. get Penn State, Syracuse, then the the well, pinstripe bowl. I mean, that's exactly what they well, want but, this year. But that's what I'm saying. In the Big Ten, Michigan has a great alumni base in New York. Uh, Penn State has a great alumni base in New York. Rutgers is obviously right there. Like, there's a little bit more growth area yes. in the sure. Big Ten. You know, it's it, it doesn't feel that way in the ACC. In the ACC, it feels like Syracuse. Yeah, right. I mean, who else would who else would be a natural fit? Maybe BC could go maybe. there. I mean, maybe people. You know. It's it's not a bad drive, but you're right. It's it's Syracuse 
by you know a wide gap. The the team that that the Pinstripe Bowl wants, they would love Rutgers to be good. But if they get Syracuse Penn State, I mean it would be a great matchup. It just for Syracuse fans, it's not as good as this Syracuse Notre Dame matchup that we're we're getting literally next week at Yankee State in the same venue. Yeah, it it's not. You're right. It's not. And I just remember the last time, that West Virginia game, it was cold. It was so and the fun. Kansas State game, it was cold. I did it twice. It was freezing both times. Yes. Like, it was too cold. I, I, Now, I, I was a student in the student section, so we were not sitting anyway, but I would not have wanted to sit on the metal bleachers. It was brutal. It was very, you know, and obviously me covering the games, it was a, it was a long day. You know, once the game's over, we're getting post-game and doing stand-ups, and it was... It was cold, um, so maybe selfishly that maybe that's where this is coming from. Um, but I don't think so. I don't think I'm in the minority. I think most most people, most fans, I think the players I included, think you're right. would like to go elsewhere. We do need to take a time out. We'll get to our top five, bottom five NFL rankings on the other side. We'll be back after this.